Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter.com at Braden Gall. And I'm Michael Gallagher with Nashville Hockey Now. You can follow me on Twitter at MGSports underscore. A lot of stuff to get to today on the show, but I will say this, Michael, as long as we, st- as whenever we start a show at time of taping, and we're a little delayed this week, we do appreciate it. I'll tell you why in a second. Uh, but if we start a podcast and we start recording the episode and the Nashville Predators are above 500, sir, it is a good day. It is a good day. And at the time of this taping, the Nashville Predators are above 500, Michael. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I said, I think I said last time, it's rare that we have good news and we have an upbeat kind of atmosphere on the podcast. And yeah. whenever they are above 500, I enjoy it because I, I don't like talking about bad stuff, man. It's not fun. <laughs> Tell me about it. Uh, so we've got a couple of we got a lot of winnable games coming up this week. We'll get to that. There's some rumors swirling about a Russian prospect, but also a lot of trade talks, uh, trade rumors floating around Tyson Berry. I don't even know if they're rumors. It's just like this is what they're doing now. Uh, and of course, we've got we've got our, our weekly Luke Evangelista update, uh, as is required contractually uh, for for me, of course. Uh, UC Soros, what's going on with UC Soros? Uh, and of course, the very random roller coaster week that took place. Uh, there's lots of different ways. This is what I love about hockey. You can you can say this team is eight and two in their last 10, which is absolutely true. You can say they also got boat raced at home by both of their former coaches in back to back games, giving up (laughs) 10 goals in the process and not really even being competitive against former coach John Hines. That's all real stuff. But then they bounce back. They took a lead against Buffalo. They figured out a way to finish that game. And then, of course, they continued their domination against Chicago. I'll give you some stats on that coming up in just a little bit before we do any of that. However, Michael, we are we are recording this. Uh, a day later, because you had some 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 work done on some teeth, and I'm just curious, would you be allowed to go to Jasper's and eat food right now? How are you feeling? Uh, right now, no. And uh, the next day or two, probably. I ended up. I got three teeth pulled. Um, Ooh. really inconvenient spots. Right, two at the top of my mouth, one at the bottom, and my uh, my gums are still bleeding on and off a little bit. And there's, Yikes. it's just yeah, it's not fun. The pain meds they gave me. Uh, don't really help either. So that's made the last day or two extra fun. So yeah, I'm just kind of waiting for this all to go away so I can talk normally and I can get full function feeling back in my face. Well, you sound you sound pretty good. So we'll we'll power through. Look, you're 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 uh it's an upper body injury. Um yeah. and I there's a few options. There's a few options at Jasper's I think you could probably take down. They've got some they they, they don't have like a ton of like soups and stuff. Uh, but I think there's probably some good stuff in there that you could probably eat. I, I don't know. Like how long before, like, were you allowed to eat solid food like today, the next day? Yeah, technically I'm allowed to, I'm going to, I'm going to play it uh, a little bit more cautiously than I probably yeah. should just kind of go with some more soup and maybe some, some ice cream later or something like that. Something yeah, cold yeah. to kind of help ease the sting a little bit. They do have very, very good cheesecake at the Jasper's grab and go market. You can just swing by, grab cheesecake. I feel like cheesecake would be an excellent choice considering your situation uh pork chops pork chops steak i don't think we want any of that that's a lot that's a tough chew you know yeah but i I think some cheesecake could just pile drive some cheesecake for the next couple of days yeah anything that's soft on the gums and on the teeth i'm sure this is probably approved and then the way i look at it i I almost felt a little bad having to push it to today because i mean gus nyquist picked up his teeth off the ice and kept playing so i mean who am i to who am i to complain (laughs) about having a couple teeth like willingly pulled but you know yeah, I was going to I was going to ask, like, I wonder what hockey players go to Jasper's, by the way. I wonder what hockey players like. Do they ever just sit around, take out, take out all the chiclets and just like try to gum the like just have fun with it? Like, I, like what does it look <laughs> like when a hockey player uh, takes out the teeth and 
and just tries to chew some food. Like, is it just a, like an old nursing home full of folks? Um, but no, it's look, look, good to have you back. Good to be here. And again, the Preds are eight and two in their last 10. So however you want to slice those two games against Minnesota and the Rangers, which not sure how you can slice them in a good way at all um, for a variety of reasons, for two different reasons, which is really the, 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 the tough part about that, uh, which is, of course, you give up five goals in the first two periods. You're down six to nothing to Minnesota. John Hines' first return. Certainly understandable that, that his players were fired up to play that game for him. And then you do the old uh, two-goal lead thing that we've seen from this team all season long, which is they give up a 2 nothing first period lead. Then they give up a 3-1 lead, and they end up losing to Peter LaViolette. Now, I, the Rangers are absolutely one of the best teams in the league right now, so no surprise that they lost, but giving up multiple two goal leads has certainly been a problem for this team and to do it against your other former coach back-to-back nights or back-to-back games. Absolutely brutal. They come back on the road though, against Buffalo, UC Saros first star 34 saves two nothing lead. And they hold on for the two, one win. And then of course a really wild second period against Chicago where they go back and forth and a really entertaining game. And of course, Philip Forsberg wins it in overtime in a shootout. Uh, I think he's starting to own like all the shootout records too. So the record books starting to fill up with all the modern predators. Um, just your first reaction. I know it's off a six game winning streak. So if you take it in sort of full context over the course of the last couple of weeks, it's still really good hockey for this team relative to the expectations and the talent level. Eight and two is a spectacular stretch for this team, no matter how you slice it. But how did you, how do you handle the last four? When you look at the last week, since we recorded last week, how, how, how do you view the the two and two record? Yeah, obviously you would have liked to come away with at least one win in the the back to back with John Hines and Peter Laviolette coming to town. Never never a good look when um, two of the guys that you fired uh, come in and kind of take you to task there. Especially that Minnesota game that was just a bad game. Kind of felt that that was going to happen. I didn't think they would lose six to one, but I just figured with everything going into it, the whole John Hines of it all. I figured there was gonna it was gonna be kind of one of those trap games, those letdown games where you just kind of expected that to happen. Uh, the Rangers game again. Look, the loss sucks, but you can take solace in the fact that you were one of four teams up until that point to have a regulation win over the Rangers. Only three other teams can can say that this year, and you had a two goal lead. You blew it. You let them come back. You kind of play with fire. That's what happens. But for the for for the better part of that game, like the Rangers are arguably the best team in the NHL, and you not only held your own with them, but you you controlled that game for for a lot of it until you let them start to, to come back and eventually end up losing that game. So those two really bad, especially being against your former head coaches. The wild game, you were never really in it. Um, but the Rangers game, they they definitely could have won. And then you go out and you get two wins over Buffalo and Chicago, two teams that aren't really that good this year. Um, the good thing is you just beat Chicago. Uh, what was it? A week or so before that. So you, the last two games against Chicago, you went out and you won. Connor Bedard hasn't done too much damage against you, so that's kind of good. Um, yeah, you you would have liked a better performance, especially in the in the Minnesota game. But I think you got to be happy with with the two and two over the last four, eight and two over the last ten. In that ten game stretch, you have a big win over the Avalanche. You went out and you you whooped yep. on the Blues eight to three. Uh, you held off Pittsburgh in overtime and uh, went against Winnipeg there. Like you have some good wins in that in that 10 game stretch. I, I mean, look, it's a bad vibe, a bad feeling to go back to back like that. But how many times does that I mean, I, how many times has that ever happened to any team where you play your your last two head coaches at home in back to back games and you happen to lose? And especially with Hines, who just got the job like that week. Of course, his players were fired up and pissed off for greatness. Um, I will say this. I'm going to make a this is a pretty big statement here. 
go to Jasper's. Pretty pretty hot take here. I I think the Connor Bedard kid's gonna be pretty good. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I I just just I'm going out on a limb. You know, that kid's hand, you. that kid's hands. Holy smokes! Uh, <laughs> Every time I see him on TV or I hear his name mentioned, I I think back. To draft night when we were sitting up in the in the stands, oh. and every time we turned around, there he was. He was walking <laughs> around. He was talking to someone. Like we could not escape him after they picked him first. We go to the back. He's there. We go. We walk outside. He's there. Like every time we walk somewhere, Connor freaking Bedard is right there. It's like he was stalking us. Beetlejuice or Rumpelstiltskin or something. You just say his name and he just appears out of nowhere. Yeah, I think he was just prepping us for for life as Predators beat writers because everywhere we are, he's going to be there. For I the think he's good. Decade. I, I I think he might be pretty good. I'm just throwing it out there. I mean, he's not. I mean, he 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 might almost be as good as Luke Evangelista. I'm just saying, just almost almost, almost as good. Not quite um, on his level. Look, I, th- we're going to get to this with UC Soros, if, and if you want to get into UC, I guess we can get into UC Soros now if you want to as a part of this because there was a, a piece, a story on the Athletic, uh, not a story, but one of those listicles where they basically just said, "Hey, here's the one stat that kind of defines every team," and I believe this was following the six-one loss, where of course he gives up four goals and 15 shots, gets pulled. He comes back after this was published. He comes back on against Buffalo and plays a very good game. And again, I, I will just say outright, any any episode we start where the Preds have a winning record at time of taping, you should be excited about the team because that means Andrew Burnett's system is, is working. That means the players are playing hard. Uh, there were some interesting comments about after the Buffalo game about fatigue in the second half, which seems to be a because this team is such a good first period team. Um it's sort of just like sustaining the pressure and the pace and the tempo is something they're still kind of working through. Uh, but Saro's save percentage at the time following the Minnesota game was 895. And at the time, he was minus eight goals saved above expected, which is one of the worst numbers of his career. If you know anything about UC Saros, one of the best goalies in the world, he is generally first, second, or third in goals saved above average at the end of the season. Like one of the best, Me- meaning he does more for his team in those safe situations than anybody else. And right now he is 75th, or at least at the time uh, going into the the Rangers game, he was 75th in the NHL in goals save above expected, which means he is playing well below the average and his own ability. So what was really the, the one line in there that I thought was interesting was basically, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but it's basically like UC Soros is overshadowing the pretty good work that Andrew Burnett is doing. And that that is not a sentence I expected to say at any point during the season, much less 25 games in. Yeah, you almost kind of expected the headline to be UC Soros carrying the team while the rest of the team struggles to, to <laughs> right. figure out how to how to work the system that Andrew Burnett implemented. But and we talked about it last week. We've talked about it pretty much every episode. Soros hasn't been good. And well, up until recently. And we we've talked about He's a notoriously slow starter. Kind of figured it wouldn't it wouldn't be 25 games into the year before he kind of like the 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 light kind of came on, so to speak. But Kevin Lincoln has done a good job in, in his starts as well. Um, so at least there's there's that to fall back on. If Saros does struggle, um, he has a bad game or two, and you kind of his confidence is a little rattled. Like you do have a backup that you can go to to start two, three, four games in a row if you need to. But I think he's going to be okay. We talk about the 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 stretch that the Predators are on. They're eight and two in their last ten. Saros is six and one in his last seven starts. Uh, he over that span, he leads the league in save or not save percentage. He leads the league in wins. Uh, he has a nine fourteen save percentage, a two six six goals against average. Um, he's also he's playing a lot of minutes too. That's the thing. Like 
yeah, he's been bad, but he's still playing a lot of minutes. He's seeing a lot of shots. They're still depending on him. He's still the workhorse of this roster right now. And I know everyone was a little bit worried. I, I and I do think, you know, the last seven games is, is a little small sample size compared to, you know, the, the previous 13, 14, however many games it was. Uh, but I, I think Saras is going to be all right. I think now we're kind of seeing what he's capable of once because again we talked about the 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 forward settling into the system then the defenseman kind of settling into the system Saros has had arguably the hardest time adjusting to this new system because of just how many shots he's seeing where he's seeing them from just just the the difference in the the team playing in front of him um but I think the last six seven games we we kind of saw he's really kind of settled in now he had a really good game against uh Buffalo I think the only the only goal he gave up and that was on a penalty shot. So if the Saros of the last six or seven games is who you get for the rest of the season, I think the outlook for this team looks pretty good because if Saros is on his game like he has been the last six games, it's going to be a pretty fun rest of the season to watch. Yeah, it's just it's just about a team trying to figure out how to slowly but surely put it all together. Uh, 21 goals saved above average in the 2021 season, which was the shortened season that started in January. That was his first year as the full-time starter following Pecorine's retirement. 23 goals saved above average in, in his first full, um, full, full, if that's the right way to put it, uh, season where he started 67 games, led the NHL in starts. Last year, he led the NHL in starts again. Games played, excuse me, 64, 30 goals saved above average. Um, uh, I'm not, I'm not great at math, but I think that's 73 goals saved above average in those three seasons. He's at negative 1.8 for the season right now. So we're, we're talking drastically off his mark. Now, how much of that is due to the system? How much is that is just sometimes guys have an off year or have an off start or have an off month. But I think you're right. If you look at just the last couple of weeks, as you said, you laid out all the numbers over a nine fifteen save percentage, six and one in his last seven. It seems like he's straightened it out a bit. That Minnesota game performance is concerning because he's had a, he's had though a couple of those already this year, and those are those seem to be very very rare. Uh, and to have a couple of those kind of games where you're just like, oh, he's clearly not got it tonight. That's weird. Uh, but I think as they said in the in the in the in the list there, it's like once he once he remembers he's one of the best goalies in the world, this team could actually be pretty good. So give credit to Brunette for what they're doing. Um, and again, even over the last four, uh, two and eleven on the power play. Uh, in those four games, they are now 19.8%. That's 16th in the NHL. Two for 11 doesn't help that percentage much. Here's what's really weird. The, they gave up two power play goals in this stretch in eight uh, power play opportun- penalty kill opportunities. And that actually improved their percentage. <laughs> 25% uh, allowing rate, 75% kill rate, would actually, it actually improves their percentage. They are now 27th in the NHL at 73 and some change. That number's got to get better. They've got to get better uh, on the penalty kill. Uh, That is for sure. You want some Chicago numbers? Here's some Chicago numbers. 21-4-4 in their last 29 games against Chicago. I I know that this was the team that dominated the division, and certainly they have not been recently. But if you you want to have a rivalry and you want to kick them while they're down, you got to give credit. The Nashville Predators, no matter who the coach is, have absolutely pummeled the Chicago Blackhawks while they are down. And that's what you want to hear. It would be it would be right. sad if you didn't pummel them while they are down because if they're down and you're still losing to them, that doesn't say much about the state of what of your franchise and where you're at, but Yeah. Do yeah, do it, it now before Connor Bedard starts getting talent around him. Oh god. Oh god. Um all right, so anyway, I look, bad taste in their mouth. I think the way they beat Buffalo to go up to nothing, give up a goal and then be 
just have to hold on for the two one win and with good play from Saros. I, I think that's important. And then the, the second period against Chicago was just wild and entertaining. And then again, finding a way to win those two games following two embarrassing losses. Uh, that's a critical kind of rebound. And again, above 500 at time of taping. I think that's sort of my new, my, my, my new, my new phrase for the predators and where we're at with this team is just, as long as you're above 500, when we sit down to do this show each week, it's going to, it's a good year. It's a good year. Um, and there's a lot of growth there. Um, okay. You want to do our weekly uh, Luke Evangelista uh, conversation here? Why not? <laughs> As we are contractually obligated uh, to talk about Luke Evangelista. Um, this is a guy who, you know, look, I've, I've raved about him uh, a lot. And I think you see him grow. And I was I was watching the game with my daughter and he scores that goal against Chicago where he it's all about positioning. He puts himself in the right spot. Uh, he gets the rebound. He has the quick hands, decisive maneuver. He puts it back. Not a difficult goal, but a goal because he scores because he's in the right place and he's doing the the right thing. It's, it was his fourth of the season. He's got 10 assists. He's got 14 points. He's fifth on the team in scoring, shooting about 10%, averaging over 14 minutes of ice time per game. I think he's doing everything you could have possibly asked for a 21-year-old high-value prospect to step in and be a top contributing member of the team. And I still think he's got even more room to grow. So I think fans should be very excited about, about their young forward. Yeah. And I mean, he had a pretty nice goal against Chicago two against St. Louis. He's got five points in his last seven games mm -hmm. and it's kind of flown under the radar a little bit, but uh, he's fourth tied for fourth among rookies and scoring behind that, that Connor Bedard guy, Marco Rossi and Luke Hughes. I mean, do, do I think realistically he's going to be, a Calder finalist, no. Should he be? I guess it depends on how the rest of the season plays out, sure. But Luke Evangelista, I think, is someone who doesn't get a lot of credit from anyone other than us, meaning you and me on the show, and then some of the people in Nashville who actually know who he is, um, for just how good he is. And I think to be fourth, tied for fourth in, in rookie scoring in the league, considering how many good players there are. I mean, Logan Cooley, Leo Carlson, Adam Fantilli, there's so many good rookies this year. Um, to be right up there, to be scoring goals. And I think I think the thing that stuck out to me over the last week or two, he's still productive. He's still contributing points. He's still scoring goals here and there, and he's doing it without Tommy Novak. And that was the thing that kind of, I think we were all worried about when Novak went on IR was, yeah, it sucks the Preds are losing this really good emerging top six center, but how is it going to affect the development of Luke Evangelista? Because that line with him and Sherwood and Novak, that was the Preds' best line this entire season pretty much. So Novak goes on IR and, and it sucked that that you lose a player, someone as good as Novak was playing. But I think even more so fans were just like, how is this going to affect Luke Evangelista? Then Cody Glass gets put there. They play really well. Glass goes back on, gets injured again. So I, I think the thing we're seeing is one, he's still putting up points. He's still being productive. Two, he's really taken a hold of, of Andrew Burnett's system and he's really tailored his skill set to, to kind of fit that. And three, he's someone who's still growing and still producing regardless of who he's playing with. And I think those are three really good signs from, from someone who the Predators want Luke Evangelista to be one of the faces of the franchise. And if he continues playing like this, I see no reason why he can't be. I, I mean, I think there's it's interesting. I was looking at Ryan O'Reilly's numbers while while we were talking here, and I, I wanted to I wrote some of them down because I wanted to mention him as well. A couple of really big goals during this four game stretch, 12 goals now, his pace. 0.48. I'm I'm getting back to Evangelista here. 0.48 goals per game, 
is would be by far his career high. And and again, he's got 22 points. His career high was 77 points. He's on pace for his eighth eighth 20 goal season, and he might do it by like the halfway mark or the All Star break or the trade deadline even. Uh, Who having had Ryan a, O'Reilly career year in Nashville on their bingo card <laughs> at, at 32 years old and still averaging over 20 minutes of ice time per game. My point is, is that I'm looking at Ryan O'Reilly, and while I don't believe he will finish with a career season, he's on a career season type of pace. And you have to give credit to the system for unlocking a guy like that. And I think what I'm getting to is I think by the end of the season, I am curious to see how many guys, and it's hard with Evangelista because this is his first real full season. And so he's going to, he's going to set sort of his career kind of beginning mark with this season. But I think there's a, a lot of guys that could have some career years like Philip Forsberg's on pace for a career year. Uh, you can't argue with that. So uh, there, there's guys that I think in this system that are unlocked and could, while it may not lead to a bunch of wins or a playoff team, it could lead to a bunch of career years for a lot of young. Colton Sissons is on pace to have a career year in Andrew Gus Burnett's Nyquist. system. Gus Nyquist. So like you can look at the list and go, Ryan O'Reilly, Luke Evangelista, Philip Forsberg, like all these guys, like some of the defensemen are even chipping in <laughs> from a production standpoint, goals, goals scored. I mean, uh, so I think there's... You cannot argue through 25 <laughs> he games. He for sure would. Three points away from his career year. <laughs> Bingo. So you can't argue with Brunette's system so far. It does not mean that they're going to end up, like I said, doesn't mean they're going to have a winning record. Doesn't mean they're going to make the playoffs. Doesn't mean the system doesn't have some slow chunks of time during the season. But it, it, it you cannot argue at this stage that he is not putting his players in a position to excel and to maximize their skills. Can't argue with that so far. Yeah, and I think if you have any questions about Andrew Burnett's system, all you need to know is that Cole Smith had four goals in 78 games before. Now he's got four goals in 24 games under Andrew Burnett. Coincidence? I think not. <laughs> to be fair, uh, that was two games. <laughs> he did four goals in two games. If we could just if we could stretch him out a little bit, Cole, like sp- spread him out a yeah. little bit more, <laughs> like like a like a nice Jasper's. Uh, you know, pepper dipping sauce for those collie poppers. Just spread them out a little bit more. That's all you need to do. See what I did there? You could good, eat. Good you job. could eat the. You could eat the. Uh, they do all kinds of really awesome like dipping sauces uh, at Jasper's. Like anything that they, whether it's the chicken wings or the collie poppers, they they do this like red pepper like spread that's on there. They do an avocado spread that's on there. They got all kinds of really delicious. That's all stuff you could eat with no teeth. You could eat that I, stuff. I, I have teeth. They're just. My gums are healing. I, I had them yanked from my gums. I, I have teeth. They're just the gums are, are healing and I'm in the healing process. But yes, at all. Also, I, I don't know how I didn't know all this stuff before. I guess I just I'm terrible at reading menus. But like my my family, we're, we're big on dipping sauces. We're big. We're big sauce family. So next time I go to Jasper's, I'm going to have Dude. to try, try some of these uh, sauces you're talking about. Will there be a next time? Like, are you sure? Yes. Like you, will you go the rest of your life without going to Jasper's? <laughs> That would be that would be kind of rude to me to, to not go to our title sponsor ever yeah. again to go twice and that's it. Yeah, yeah, it would be in fact. <laughs> but they're so cool about it; they're fine with me joking in the ad about you not going to Jasper. Jasper's. That's how, I, that's how I cool am, Jasper's is. I am sorry that I've only been twice. I will make a. I will make an effort to go some point within the next couple of weeks. I, in my defense, I'm in Hendersonville. We don't ever really leave Hendersonville unless I'm going <laughs> to a game. So I need to. I need to be intentional set a time set a date carve out be intentional with my time and go to jaspers speaking about speaking of being at the game what, what did you make of the uh the reactions to heinz and lobby the the, the was it a tribute there for for heinz that seemed that seemed interesting i guess it's the nice classy thing to do right 
Yeah. I mean, there's not really much to, to attribute because it was <laughs> not a very good four years, but three and 11 playoff record. They should have put that number up there in the tribute video. Oh, that's just um, mean, you're mean spirited. Um, when they when they introduced him, you still expected them to to do the he sucks to chant. Um, it wasn't as loud as I thought it would be, which I think I think was kind of nice. A little, uh, I guess, classy, if you want to. I that told way. you I told you they were going to be like, eh, all right, he's fine. No, they they still it was still a good he sucks to chant, but it wasn't there wasn't as much like oomph behind it as, as I thought there would be. So and then when they showed the tribute video, there wasn't really a reaction. You could hear like one or two people clapping and you could hear one or two people kind of booing, but it, they were very indifferent. So I told you that's exactly what I said. It was going to be very apathetic and very just sort of like, ah, OK, welcome back. I wish you the best, but like, I'm kind of glad you're not here. So like it all worked out for everybody. Like, I, don't, I, I will, you know I will I mean? say just because you you couldn't hear you couldn't hear it in the arena. There were there were still a lot of fans that were not happy that he was back there. There are mm-hmm. still and I know because they're in my mentions. There are people and in Nashville Hockey Now's mentions too that there's people that are just just do not like John Hines no matter what he does he will always be the worst thing that ever happened in this franchise and unfortunately you just not be able to change those people's mind. Do I think John Hines is a terrible coach? No. Do I think he's a good coach? No. I, I think he he is what he is and and you know good luck with him to the wild. But I, I think based off of just the 25 games we've seen from Andrew Burnett, I think that they they finally went out and they got the right coach. There's this thing that happens in sports, and I don't understand it. It happens in college sports. It happens in pro sports. It's like when a guy is fired, like just be done with it as a sports fan. I don't, I don't understand holding on to all the things. Like I understand the college football coach who like ruined a program because he got him under probation and like didn't recruit, and there's no players, and like the the next guy comes over and it's a dumpster fire, maybe a scandal or something. Like those things happen in college sports. They don't really happen in the pros. It's like if the Titans fire their general manager, John Robinson, and everyone's super excited about it, just for just forget about him at that point. <laughs> like he's yeah. he's irrelevant to your he, you should be happy he's gone. And like, you know, and John Hines didn't do nearly as much damage to the Preds as John Robinson did to the Titans. Uh, but like, just be like, OK, all right. Like it, it's it's enough. He's out. He's out of our life now. I, you know, I also like think two parts. Like it it's like an X. Stop looking at Facebook at your X. Like, stop that. Just don't yeah. don't worry about that. I think part of it, too, is the NHL has a higher rate of recycling yeah. coaches than any other league. So the chances you'll see a former head coach are probably greater in the NHL than any other league. But I mean, outside of, of Matt Patricia with the Lions and maybe Urban Meyer with the Jaguars, I can't think of any any recent instances where teams like if a former coach would come back where they would like actively boo the hell out of them. So maybe it's just a hockey thing. Maybe the, just the, the fans are a little bit more petty. And I mean that in the nicest way possible. <laughs> well, you know me. I've always I've never really truly. Like I understood the Ryan Suter thing at the beginning of it all. Oh, hey, I promised, you know, David Poyle that I'd come back and take an offer and da 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 da. And then I got an offer I can't refuse. And like I, I understand all of the dynamics at play. And I understand being miffed or like put off by Ryan Suter's initial decision. But every single one of you would take the, the offer you can't refuse if you're in the room at the time. And so I never understood why he's the one who gets the most boot. Or maybe it's because he's so good. That's maybe why it happens. And like, uh, there's other players that did way that I thought did the Preds dirtier, if that makes sense, than Ryan Suter. And like Jimmy nobody, VC. Jimmy, yeah, like Jimmy VC is like so obnoxious to me. Not, not now. I don't really care now. But like, if I was a fan, a season ticket holder, and a guy was drafted and then intentionally like pulled an, an Eli Manning and forced his way out, like I don't, like I don't. That that's 
Well, I think that's, that's a, part of it. Like that's Jimmy VC, Jimmy VC pissed a lot of people off, and the booing that happened on his first game when he came to Bridgestone Arena, it was violent. It was violent didn't he, booing. Didn't he score a goal? He might have. I think he um, scored a goal. He either scored a goal or he had an assist. Either way, he he got on the score sheet in his first game there. Yeah. Um. They they hated him, and now he kind of sucks. He's a fourth line forward. So the <laughs> fact that he's not good, they they kind of let that go. I think the Ryan Suter thing kept up for so long, and people still hold on to that. Because he left and he was a franchise defenseman for the wild for however many years he was yeah, there. I think, I think that's it. He he left you and he was good for someone else, whereas VC left you and he sucked. And you're like, eh, no harm, no foul. Didn't really yeah, hurt yeah, us, yeah. but Suter hurts. So R- rattle off is always one that's more because like he, he cost you a playoff game. Maybe he caused like there, there's so much that rattle off could have been uh, had he been uh, committed to the. He could have he could have been your Philip Forsberg before Philip Forsberg was Philip Forsberg. I agree. I agree. Uh, all right. Go to Jasper's, of course, everybody. Great menu, great drink specials, free parking down there watching Preds games. It's a fantastic place to go hang out and eat. Uh, it's a fantastic place to watch games. They've got the game room there. And as I mentioned, if you've had teeth pulled recently and just need to like gum some cheesecake, they got delicious dessert sitting right there, homemade uh, by, of course, the chef's uh, staff there at Jasper's right there in the, the grab and go market. You can grab some stuff. It's great for stocking stuffers as well. Uh, I get my stocking stuffers there all the time. They've got all kinds of cool stuff from all local companies. So there's like memorabilia, there's mugs, there's like little gifts that you can give, and it's perfect stock stocking stuffer stuff for Christmas time. So uh, or Hanukkah Jasper's or whatever gift card or whatever it is you celebrate. Uh, Happy Kwanzaa, the Festivus for the rest of us, whatever it might be, uh, whatever you celebrate. They've got they've got something for you, especially if you want to do something for like an office. You know, you got an office secret Santa thing. Um, you got in-law secret Santa, which is what I got to do. I, it's absolutely, it's, I'm not kidding. It is a great place to go watch a game and park for free and eat food. And then you can go do your Christmas shopping at the same place. Uh, and yes, that would include a gift card, but there's lots of other cool stuff in there. Uh, they got like mixes and bloody Mary mixes and dessert mixes and breakfast mixes and all kinds of other mem- Dolly Parton stuff everywhere. The tri stars in there everywhere. It's perfect for, uh, uh, for stocking stuffers. So go check out Jasper's. Um, all right, let's get to some, some, so this Tyson Berry stuff, we look, they acquired him in the Matias Ekholm trade and four and a half million dollars, aging defenseman, a puck mover, good on offense, good on the power play. This guy was always clearly a flippable piece. It didn't happen in the off season. I think there's a couple of different things we can infer because he's basically been a healthy scratch and has been given the, the freedom and approval to go seek a trade. So there's not, nobody's hiding anything in this, in this situation. Um, his, his value has been depressed a little bit because he's not the number one power play captain. That's Roman Yossi. So he's not going to be in that situation. He doesn't have Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid around him. So that's a, that's a, that affects his performance. His ice time is down a little bit. Um, so my, my assumption is that he's a little bit easier to move because the price might be a little lower, but also I could see the Preds asking for more than what he's been worth here in Nashville. That makes sense because I don't think his fit here in Nashville has been great. I think he fits better in other places. And I think he's, I mean, he's still got what double digit assists. I I think the guy still has value is, you know, I think the Preds should be willing to eat some salary because they have so much space. I would eat some salary and, and maximize the return uh, it also, and I want you to elaborate on this, Michael, it also, so that's the first point. It also tells you that they might be much higher on their prospects in the, in the pipeline than, than we expected. And that's Mike, that's Del Gaizo and, and Spencer Stasny. 
Yeah. And I think uh, when the, the news kind of leaked out that the Predators gave Barry permission to go seek a trade, uh, kind of asked around trying to, to gauge the, the situation and see what was up. And that was one of the things I was told was how well Spencer Stastny played the first four or five games in his, his first call up the season. That kind of made the Predators feel better about going to Barry and being like, OK, you're not happy. It, it clearly look it's looking like it's not a fit. Go out. Talk to some people, see what you can find, come back to us. And and Barry Trotz even said on the radio the other day, like he he gave a scathing interview on 1025 and he was pissed off at Tyson Barry and his agent. But he still said, if a player's not happy, they're always going to do their best to try and trade them to a better situation. But he's not going to do it for the sake of of just trading him. He's not going to do it at the, at the expense of costing the team games. He's not going to do it just because the player wants to be traded. So I think that's something to to keep in mind and consider about this too, is that. The Predators are open to trading him, but Barry Trotz isn't going to be bullied, so to speak, bullied into a corner and be like, OK, you're trading us because we're we're unhappy. And I think that's something to, to keep in mind here, too. Stassi's played really well. Delgado looked pretty good when in, when he was called up at the beginning of the year, too. I think the fact you can even throw Jake Livingstone in there. I think he's someone who could be NHL ready uh, fairly soon, too. Um, but the fact that you have two NHL ready prospects right now that you can call up to take Tyson Barry's place. I think that kind of makes this a little bit easier. You can also take your time with this trade, go out and find the right the right uh, trade partner, depending on what kind of um, trade package you want to get back. And I think it's also important to know, too, Barry has a $4.5 million cap hit. So some of the teams that, that need a defenseman right now are a little strapped for cash. They don't have a lot of cap space to work with. So I think the Predators still have $7.5 million in cap space. It wouldn't be... And Barry is, a, is an UFA after this season, so it wouldn't surprise me to see them eat some of his salary to be able to to get a better trade to get something back to send him to a team that he probably wants to go to um and that i know taking on salary and um the ryan johansson move and the matt Duchesne move and what you're paying kyle terse and stuff predators fans here retaining salary and they're probably like oh my gosh don't do that we can't take on more dead cap but it goes away after this season so wouldn't be surprised to see them eat half a berry salary if they needed to to get a better trade offer from a team that probably is a little tighter to the cap so there's been a lot of teams floated and mentioned. Um, I think a lot of them, unfortunately, inside the division. I think Dallas, Winnipeg, and Chicago have all been mentioned. I, I'm not sure I want to see that. Um, although I'm not sure it matters. I, like I'd rather I'd rather him go to like Dallas because Dallas is sort of win now, and the Preds aren't necessarily in win now. But if you're trading him to Chicago, I, I don't I don't know understand that move for Chicago, frankly. Yeah. Um, here's the thing. Barry's not going to want to go to Chicago. He's not going to want to go to a rebuilding team. He's, he's 32. He's at the tail end of his career. He's looking to have a big season and cash in one more time before he ends up retiring. Well, and Calgary has been mentioned as well. And that, you know, fine. That sounds good. Here's the one that, that I like the most though. And that's New Jersey because you know, Andrew Burnett knows the most about those guys. Like not only is it an Eastern conference team, so he can't really hurt you as much this season, just in theory. Um, but at the same time, wouldn't you guess that Andrew Burnett knows more about those players and that pipeline and what they're getting back in return potentially? I mean, if it's just draft picks, fine. It doesn't really matter. But if you're going to get a prospect yeah. out of the deal or a, or a young player, I'm, I'm assuming you're not getting anything super high value. But like, wouldn't wouldn't Andrew Burnett know more about what those guys are and who they are and having been around them more? Like, I, I don't know. I just think that's a... Oh, for sure. And the relationship that he's built there, he probably could make a, a, make a deal it'd be more likely for him to make a deal in New Jersey than it would for any other team, given they know him, he knows them. I'm assuming they're still on friendly terms. Um, And New Jersey makes a lot of sense. Uh, They're surrendering the second most goals per game. Dougie Hamilton's going to be out for an extended period of time now. Like 
they they need and he was one of the team's leading defenders in, in, in points. Yeah, I think he had 19 before he was injured. So they they need clearly need help on the blue line. They called their top prospect Simon Nemec. I don't know how you say his name. Um, and and he looked okay. Uh, but again, you don't want to rush him. It'd be it'd probably be better for him to go back to to Utica and kind of right. refine his game a little bit more. But I have a story up on Nashville Hockey now. If you want to go read it. I did a four teams that could possibly interest, be interested in Tyson Berry. And these to me are the teams that make the most sense. New Jersey is one of them. Edmonton, I threw them on there too, just because their goaltenders are fighting for their lives and they need a lot of help in front of them. Obviously, Barry's $4.5 million salary makes that a little bit more difficult, but I think there's something to, to be done there. I think the Islanders are really intriguing too. Um, they have, they've had a lot of injuries. Noah Dobson's kind of carrying their blue line, Adam Pellich and, and Sebastian Ajo have been injured a lot. And I think the Maple Leafs, John Klingberg is out for the rest of the year. Tyson Berry and John Klingberg play a very similar style of game. I don't want to say it'd be a seamless transition, but Barry could, could jump right in and kind of make up the offensive production that, that they're going to be missing with him. So I think those are four teams that make a lot of sense. Yeah. I, I think anything in the Eastern conference is good with me. Edmonton would be weird, but certainly makes sense. They know him very well. Uh, I am curious. Edmonton might be looking to trade Philip Broberg, so maybe there's a one for one swap there. Well, I have a question. I I want to get like, what did, do you have a general sense of what the? Ret- I don't know if fans should expect a large return here, but I, do you have any expect general idea of what the return could be? Yeah, I think it's definitely not his trade value is not as good as it was probably over the off season or even when the season started, because now it's known he's not happy. Now it's known the Predators are looking to trade him. And I think that was one of the reasons uh, Trotz was so angry in his uh, radio interview was the fact that it got leaked out because now the Predators lost kind of, I don't want to say all the leverage, but they lost most of the leverage they had because now teams know this is a player that's unhappy. This is a team that doesn't want him. We're not going to give you a a second round draft pick if we don't have to. Now we're going to offer you a fourth round draft pick. And because you want to get rid of this guy, you might, you might have to take it. So I think you're probably looking at someone asked me this question before the news got leaked that, uh, that it came from Barry's camp. And I said, maybe a second rounder and like a decent prospect. I think now you're probably looking at a third or a fourth rounder and kind of like a lower end prospect, at least one draft pick and maybe one, one prospect that you kind of like a throw in. So I don't think the the trade value is very high. And it also depends too on how much salary they retain. If they have to retain half the salary, obviously you're going to probably get a a better draft pick back. Um, If you're not retaining any, you're probably going to get a lower draft pick. So Again, I think they should have flipped him at the deadline last year because they probably could have turned him into another first round pick then. But holding on to him, I think, was was something they felt they they had to do. And it's just it is what it is. Barry's not that great of a defenseman right now. Um, Maybe he goes to another team and he he becomes or he he plays like he did, you know, the last couple of years. But he's just right now his 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 stock isn't very high. So you're not going to get a a big return out of it. it. Anything above a fourth round pick, I think, is a W. If you get a third round pick, I think that's a win. And if you have to retain some salary to get to a second, go for it. I doubt his value is that high. Also, you know, Alexander Carrier, by the way, we were talking about career years. Like he's already back to his pace from his where he finished in the top 10 in the Calder two years ago. He's already matched his production from last year. Uh, I know that his his analytics and his metrics don't like his game as much, maybe as as his production does, but um, he's having a Lozon's having one of his best seasons. So like, you can just, uh, y- you look at the depth that this team has, I-, I think they are more comfortable with it. And clearly that's part of the reason that they feel more comfortable doing this. Uh, but yeah, if you get a fourth and a prospect, I think you, 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 you don't have to retain any salary. I think you take a fourth and a prospect and you go, yeah. um, again, like I do think that you can say to the other partner in the, at the negotiating table, look, he is worth more than he was worth here. I think that's a very fair 
piece of context to add to it. He's got a long track record of production at a certain level. I think you trade him at that level and, and hope that somebody else, you know, sees and that. You can also still sell that. him as as a the quarterback of a power play. Yeah, just, it's not yeah. going to happen here with Roman Yossi. Yeah, no, no question about it. All right, uh, you've you've talked about this Nashville hockey now. Of course, go get a subscription. Go to Jasper's as well. Uh, but Vasily Atanasov. Atanasov, I think is how you say it. Atanasov. That was pathetic on my part. Vasily Atanasov. Um, what what do we know about this young guy, this Russian prospect, and how likely the Predators are to to be making a play in in this space? Yeah, I mean the the kid went through the NHL draft three times, was passed up all three times. Um, I think it could be he was unknown commodity. He's a little bit undersized. I believe he's five eleven. Um, his elite prospects page says he's one fifty seven. I think he's probably in the one sixty one sixty five range. Obviously, you'd like him to be a little bit bigger, a little bit more beefier. Um. Victor Arvidsson was very undersized, but he was, I think he was closer to the, to the 180 uh, pound range. So obviously there's not really too much known about him. If you go and Google him, not a lot of stories, uh, but we did one on Nashville hockey now for our subscribers. Um, he's 21 years old and he's just tearing the league up. He's scoring highly real goals, go to the KHL um, Twitter account, X account, whatever you want to call it. He's, uh, he's always got goals on there. Um, I think he's he's one of the top two or three goal scorers, top 10 in points. If you watch his highlights, there's a lot to be impressed by. He looks like he's he's going to be a really good scoring um, scoring kind of forward. I, I don't know when he plans on coming to the NHL. He did a, an interview with one of the Russian websites that Clay, who uh, writes for National Hockey Now, and happens to, to speak Russian and is married to, I believe she's Russian, um, kind of translated for us, which that's been great to have uh, someone like that. But he um, he's eyeing a jump to the kit to the NHL from the KHL. Don't really know when, um, but he plays for Torpedo over in the KHL, um, and he's been drawing a lot of attention from from NHL scouts and stuff like that. And we I confirmed that he has spoken to Predators European scout Dennis Tolpico. Um, as far as I know, the Predators are the only team as of time of taping that have actually reached out to him and talked to him about coming to North America. So. That's kind of where we're at. I'm sure by the end of the year, if he continues scoring the way he is, he'll have he'll have a few more offers, and there'll be a lot more interest in in him. But he's someone who I think is who could be an intriguing prospect. He's only 21. He's he's putting up you know goals and bunches over there in the in the KHL. Um, I think that's if if the Predators could sign him and bring him over here and get him kind of in in the Milwaukee system and get him going, I think he could be someone who could be a very underrated signing. Um, and the, and the thing with him, he's under contract, I believe, through the 24-25 season. And he plays for, like I said, he plays for Torpedo. And what they did with uh, Andre Kovalenko, I believe is how you say it. He's a Colorado Avalanche prospect. The They let him terminate his KHL deal to sign an entry-level contract with the Avalanche with the caveat that he would be reassigned to the KHL team until they were ready to call him over to the NHL. So no going to the AHL. And that's kind of a good faith handshake agreement. Um, they're by no means obligated to do that, but that's that's something that you could see happen if a Tanisov signs with the team or if the Predators sign him. He could be let out of his KHL contract, sign his ELC, still play over in Russia, and then come over here whenever the time is right. So someone to keep an eye on. Um, again, he's probably going to have a lot more interest right now or have a lot more interest later on as the year goes on. He's scoring more, but as of right now, the Predators are the only team that has been confirmed to reach out and speak to him. They also... You know, why, why, why not? Why not just sign? Why not just sign him then? Like right away? 
because I think he's thinking the same thing. He's like, if I'm playing as good as I am now and I have one team interested in me, wait till I have 45 goals at the end of the year and I have six teams, seven teams interested in me. He's okay. He even said, too, he wants to be able to pick his team. So he's kind of glad that he didn't get drafted because he wants to be able to sit down with his coach um, and kind of go over what's the what's the best play for him. And I think that's something he's looking at now. I mean, I don't know the nature of the conversation. But, but Dennis Topico very well could have offered him a contract. and He might have said, I'm not ready to sign yet. Who knows? Right, right. I, but I think by the end of the year, by the end of the KHL season, which I believe goes through February or March, if I'm not mistaken, I'm not sure exactly when. Um I think that's around the time we'll, we'll know if he's going to jump to the NHL this year, if it's going to be another year where he's where he's thinking stuff like that. Well, if you're if you're an undersized goal scorer that likes playing with pace, I, I imagine that Andrew Burnett's time in Florida and his time so far in Nashville would be a good selling point for a for a player of that of that type. So, oh, for sure. And you also got to think, too, with the Skarov and, and Svechkov and Trenin and yeah. like you, you have you'll have some buddies over here, some native speakers. Yep. If it makes you feel better, you'll have a. You know, a reporter that can speak Russian <laughs> that, that can uh, carry on a conversation with you. So there's definitely a good Russian vibe going on in the Predators pipeline, even with some of the roster players. So if he wants to come to the NHL and he's really serious about it, like he could do a lot worse than going to the Predators right now. A thing I have not heard in a very long time or maybe ever in my 41 years on this planet. There's a good Russian vibe going on. <laughs> yeah, after Radulov, I didn't think we'd ever hear someone say that. Nonetheless, I would be the one well, saying that, but... I'm just I'm just saying in general in life, not a phrase that generally comes out of people's mouths in general. Uh since yeah. nineteen I was born in nineteen eighty-two. Um, so for most of my life, outside of a few years where I guess we got along uh it's in a little chunk in there, it's not really been a great uh Russian vibe. <laughs> it's not, not a normal thing we say. Uh, all right, they're coming up. Keep an eye on that, of course, Nashville hockey now. Go check it out. Go give a couple bucks to pay for good journalism. Go to the subscription and get yourself that level uh, of engagement there. Of course, go to Jasper's as well. Thursday, they'll play Tampa. That is tonight because uh, uh, we taped this one a day later at Toronto. Uh, Tampa right now is about a 500 team at Toronto. Toronto's playing better hockey. Uh, they certainly have some goal scoring, so it's going to be an interesting challenge for the defense there. They're 6-2-2 two and two in their last 10. You're at Montreal, so you're doing the the Eastern Canadian swing there on Sunday. So back-to-backs there. Kevin Lankinen has been been pretty solid, so he'll get a start. Montreal's a 500 hockey team, so that's another winnable game. And then Philadelphia, also about a 500 hockey team, but playing a little bit better. So these are all four games that are all kind of in the same record. Territory is the National Predators. Toronto and Philly on Tuesday are playing a little bit better, but by and large, it's four games that are winnable here. So there's no reason that you can't continue to press the tempo and Keep learning how to finish games and see if UC Saros can get back on track. I mean, otherwise, I think, again, I, I, I think Predators fans, to end the conversation today, I think Predators fans should be fairly excited about where this team is at. There's plenty to work on, but man, they're ahead of schedule, I would say, through the, if you want to call it the the first quarter of the season, plus, they're way ahead of schedule, I, I would argue. Yeah, I think out of those next four or five games, Toronto is probably the one I would worry about because we've seen this Predator team give up two goal leads several times this year. And I think out of all those teams, if there's one that has an offense that can come back from a multi-goal lead, Toronto's it. Tampa's always going to be a tough game. I feel like Nashville and Tampa always play pretty um, pretty close ones. Montreal and Philadelphia, I believe, I feel like those are kind of winnable games too. Um, so yeah, I think you're right. I think if you're a Predators fan, you you should be happy with where this team is at. Obviously, you'd like to be a little bit more than a game over 500, but with with how bad Saros has struggled and it looks like he's rounding back into form, the defense and the offense look like they're kind of figuring out their respective issues. The power play looks like it's it's performing a little bit better. You're you went from 
what said it last week, you went from like 23rd and goals scored uh, to now you're 13th or 14th. Like you're, you're seeing progress in the right area. So I think if you're, if you're a Preds fan, you got to be happy with the trajectory of this team. Cause it feels like now they're kind of putting things together. They're starting to click. The offense is producing the way it is. The defense is kind of settled down. The goaltending is kind of catching up. Um, and I think once everything is, is kind of where it should be, I think this team is going to be really fun to watch. And it's already, it's already been really fun to watch. Yep. We, we talked yep. about how they they're struggling to score goals and, Four against Calgary, eight against St. Louis. You had four against Chicago. I mean, you're, you're starting to see more than just one or two goal games from this team. And I think Yossi's kind of figured it out. Forsberg is obviously putting up goals and points in bunches. Like, there's a lot to be excited about right now. Yeah, a lot of a lot, and this is something I think we'll be tracking for the most of the most of the year. A lot of players on pace to have one of the best seasons of their career, and that is an indication of the system and the coaching doing good work so far. Okay, Nashville Hockey Now. Go check it out. Uh, obviously, good stuff over there from you. You can get to Michael Ware on Twitter.com. At MGSports underscore. You can get to me at Braden Gall and, of course, at Jaspers because I actually do go support our awesome and amazing sponsor on the pod. So go check it out. Jaspers over there on West End. Free parking. Uh, obviously, uh, appreciate all you guys listening and, and uh, uh, sending us, interacting on social media with us. We do appreciate it. Even though it's a sewer right now out there on the Twitter.com, we do appreciate you guys. Uh, and uh, obviously... Um, rate review subscribe share the show with somebody as this team continues to get better i think um the the, the interest in the team is going to grow and i think we're in for a, i think we're in for a very interesting second half i don't know what to expect i'm not trying to get expectations too high but i do think we're in for an interesting second half um and uh it's gonna be a lot of fun other than that thanks for listening thanks for hanging out and we will talk to you guys next week <laughs>